Hello and welcome to GlitchCube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games, and as always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And hello, welcome back everybody to another fun-filled week here at GlitchCube Incorporated. Yes, welcome, thank you for joining us for your job interview. Just kidding, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a really fun episode for us because... We're going to be talking about a style or a theme, at least, that's been introduced in games and is becoming a lot more popular, I would say. Uh, it's always been around, and it's something that's really intrigued us quite a bit, uh, especially with the Murder of Grey podcast. But we are going to be talking about cult games. No, not your cult classic games, but actual cult games. Uh, we got a few of them lined up. Obviously, I think some of you might be able to guess that we will be discussing Cult of the Lamb at some point because of the release date and how much fun it is. Uh, but we did want to bring in some other games as well that some people might not know of or uh, that just need some appreciation, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. they're just solid games that need to be out there in the world for everyone to know, love, appreciate, and play. Yeah, <laughs> but there is a there's quite a few to this and there's such a wide range of titles whenever it comes to cult games and it seems to be like almost any kind of style you can think of there has been a game that has a cult deal or in it whether you know it's an action game that has a cult that you have to fight or an RPG with something similar to that. Uh, but these games in particular have you either participating or starting or being part of a cult itself. So we wanna go into there, we wanna infiltrate, we wanna get into the mind of the cultists themselves and figure out what makes them tick and why they were so excited to join that UFO cult once again. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's going to be for another time there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, th these titles are pretty cool, I, I would say. And, you know, might as well just jump right into one of them, right? Might as well just go in yeah. and just, just dive drink right into Drink the Kool-Aid already. Ugh, I, I think I'm stalling because I don't want to, like, <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, is it too much sugar for you, for your glutes? It's true. I do need some sugar-free Kool-Aid. Uh, Kool <laughs> yeah, Kool-Aid. Yeah, I need some Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So the first game that I wanted to talk about was Cultist Simulator. Now, Cultist Simulator is a really bizarre kind of game that came out here. And it's it was made by uh, Weather Factory Games. I believe is the right word for it uh, but they are a little indie studio that's made of quite a few games uh, they all kind of have a very similar style to them but Cultist Simulator first drew my eye of course because it is a card game and as the listeners know mm -hmm. I love card games uh, but this game was really so much more than that there was a lot behind the like the actual gameplay itself and I'll get into the gameplay and stuff in a little bit but I was really, really surprised at the rich lore that is in it and actually very well hidden within this game. Uh, I know that a lot of people might bounce off of this title because of the, obviously, the inventory management, first of all, which we'll get into a little bit later. And the fact that there really is no, there's absolute, actually, not, it really is no, there absolutely is no hand holding within this game. Uh, part of the game itself is to explore and find out what the game actually is. So a lot of people don't really enjoy that aspect. You have to kind of be in the right mindset. 
And I won't lie, there's a lot of times where I try and pick this game up and like after not playing it for a little while and I'm just not into it at that point in time. It's you have to be in a really particular mindset to play this title. Um, but what have you played Cult of Simulator? Is what's your thoughts on it or have you checked it out? Like, what, what do you think about this game? I've checked it out. Um, I was one of those people that saw it and I was like, I don't think this is really for me. Like, the idea behind it, I like, but I, when it comes to games that are kind of stuck on that card system, I get really picky. You know, mm. I like my Slate of Spire. I, I, I like certain card games, but when it's like all on a table and you're just looking at the cards, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I want visuals. I want to. I want to see the change of what I'm doing. You know, it's I can see why people like this game. Cause I remember when it came out, a lot of people really did like that game. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've just watched people play it because I feel like one, it might be too high of a learning curve for me, or that's just because I'm lazy when it comes to card games. And if it doesn't have a big number on it that I can throw down to take small number, <laughs> me no likey. Yeah. And there's no pot of greed, unfortunately. So, oh. <laughs> I played the pot of greed. <laughs> Sorry. In my head, I have that stuck in my mind right now. I have to think about card games. Have you seen that, like, hypercut on YouTube of the Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, anime where they just hypercut every single time they say, I play the pot of greed? Oh, my God. It's actually really funny because every single freaking time they play that damn card... They have to say what it does. <laughs> like uh. everybody knows what that card does. But every single time it's like, and I play the pot of greed, which allows me to draw two cards from my deck. But it's like always like kind of like mumbling it to themselves. <laughs> so it's just like a really weird thing. But anyway. It's as if they would think people <laughs> would tune into an episode never seen it before and then they would learn it. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny. But <laughs> anyway. So with the Cult of Simulator, what your entire goal is, is to actually create a cult itself. So from the ground up, you are making the cults. But in order to do that, you have to kind of unlock the path that allows you to unlock the cults. So whenever you first start, you're started with like you're first introduced to what is called a noun. Now, nouns are actions that you can play cards into or play your verbs into them. They would be things like thoughts, reason, dreams, you know, things like that, right? Work ethic, those kind of deals. So you actually need to start putting those into the specific nouns, whether it be working or dreaming or stuff like that in order to unlock new cards that will then progress the story forward. Now, do you know which cards to put into which ones and what they'll actually give you in the end? Not until you do it. So it's a lot of trial and error in trying to figure those things out and playing through it. But what's kind of fascinating about this game is it is really just like reading an H.P. Lovecraft book. They've mm. done a really great job with the writing itself. The writing is spectacular uh, and it's really, really well done. It's really exciting. It's, it really adds to the actual, uh, like, I guess, the atmosphere to this game. And it's weird to say that like, I would definitely classify Cultist Simulator as an atmospheric game, even though it's a card game and you're just staring at a table with a bunch of cards that are have timers that are dialing down. You wouldn't really consider that atmospheric, right? 
Mm-hmm. But what I think they did so well is that, for one, the writing is fantastic. For two, the sound design is actually very compelling uh, with the gears turning and things like that to simulate time. The chimes that are going off are just really well-timed. The music itself is very moody and uh, very, very, like, really good. It, it's surprisingly good, the soundtrack to this game. And then when with certain cards, whenever you play them into specific nouns, if they have like a pretty big reaction, uh, they'll actually overlay an image onto the table and it will look like it's getting burned into the table. Like maybe it might be a scene from like the workplace or the moon or some sort of like tarot card looking kind of esoteric kind of style artwork there. But it's really, really interesting having all those things come together. And it's really quite fascinating. And what's cool about this game, too, is that there are 11 different starting points from the game. So theoretically, you could keep getting the same you know, starting point. But after a little while, you might start kind of adding into the mix there. So it wants you to replay this title over and over again and just keep exploring, keep trying new things and seeing what comes from it. But you can be a doctor in the beginning. You can just be a regular Joe Schmo off the street. You can be a policeman. You can be a detective. Like all those things are possible. Uh, and then there's DLC that adds in more like the dancer and stuff like that. But with all of these starting points, with the DLC and everything, because I believe there's four, three or four different DLCs that have been added to this game, there are 31 different possible endings to this title which is insane to think about, right? That's a lot of different endings and that's a lot of writing that had to go in and a lot of work that went into this title that wow. some people might not ever know more than one or two endings. <laughs> but that yeah. just shows a lot of commitment to this game itself, which I really appreciate from the designers. And it shows through with their work. It's, it's a really beautiful game. And upon like reflecting on it, I really want to go back and play it and so I did actually download it again on my phone because there's actually an uh, iPhone app for it as well, which is really cool. Uh, so you can take it on the go. But I feel that the actual mechanics of this game do not lend itself well to the iPhone. It is not a good game for that whatsoever. Too small of a screen, right? It's way too small. So yeah. the the one gripe I will say about Cultist Simulator is the quote-unquote inventory management. So managing all the cards that are on the screen gets really, really difficult the more you're playing. Eventually, you might have no more table left and just cards everywhere. And whenever you have one noun that's ticking down and it's finished, you might get four more cards that just randomly pop up. And there is no like auto send to somewhere. Hmm. They just end up on the table. So you have to look at each card, navigate what each one does, put it into the sections accordingly to try and organize things out. And I learned that through playing it a few times that if you're not organized from the start, you're going to have a very hard playthrough the further on you go. And it makes it kind of frustrating. The other thing I would say that is kind of a negative hit to it. Yes, there is a pause button to the game, but it does kind of take away from the actual title and like the sense of dread that the timers give you uh, to kind of add on to the atmosphere itself. Uh, but the writing can feel like it it might get lost, actually, because of how many timers might be going off. 
that like halfway through reading a card, one of your timers might pop up and it might be like some sort of challenge that you need to do right now or else you're going to lose like health or uh, influence or money or whatever it may be. So you stop reading the card that you were currently reading to go and tackle this, which then, you know, leads you down the rabbit hole of doing something else. And then you might not ever get back to that card that had some really interesting lore behind it. So it, while there's some really compelling story behind this game, which is pretty surprising for, you know, what it is on the surface, a lot of it can definitely be lost due to the game mechanics themselves. So Hmm. it is kind of like a plus negative kind of thing there, right? Mm -hmm. Where the timers do add that sense of dread and add to the atmosphere of the title itself, which makes it more compelling and makes you want to, you know, go through and keep trying out new things. But then at the same time, it either your board becomes really convoluted and crowded and you lose track of cards, which means that you could lose track of timers and then also lose track of the lore itself and the whole reason why we're diving into this title. So it's 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 a little it's a tricky game. That's for sure. It's a tricky game to get into, and it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, but like you said, I've actually watched quite a few people playing it as well as played it myself. And watching people play it is very enjoyable. It's it is really nice actually. And there's some players out there that are really good at balancing their time that I feel like I wouldn't have 100% patience to do that. So it's I do really I do really appreciate those little uh, playthroughs that you can watch and kind of enjoy this title. Uh, I got a fun little uh, culty title. Um, it's a little bit of a, a change of pace from this game. Um, <laughs> it's a... I'm trying to decide if it's like a visual novel kind of style play i mean i guess it's a point and click but uh the game is called the shrouded isle uh it came out Mm. five years ago wow that long i remember when this game came out because the graphic style just stands out uh it's two-tone or monochromatic um and for the most part it has that vomit color yellow green (laughs) with like a dark blue background but i know you can change it to different colors later on like a turquoise or a violet uh that actually make it really pretty but there's always like two colors and their explanation for that from what i could read was the duality of uh you know sin and virtue um (laughs) in this game you are in charge of a small little island uh, uh in a cult and basically there's a couple different houses i think there's five different families or houses um each one controls a different part of the village that your cultists reside in and basically you have to balance their favor while helping the villagers and you have to live for five years right or hmm even longer um and every season you have to make a sacrifice so you have to sacrifice one of your advisors and it gets tricky because so these advisors have different characteristics right some of them have virtues which help they help interactions you know they get along with other advisors and 
it's an easier time with them. But some of them have these sins that make things worse. One could be a liar, or one could be a pervert, or a thief, and they'll negatively affect the other advisors. And to an extent, depending on their stats, when you sacrifice one of them, not only are you going to piss off the house that they come from, usually, but depending if they were mostly virtuous, everyone's going to be mad. Now, mm. if you kill a pervert who didn't have a really good positive virtue, you know, no people will be more so happy. Um, but if you end up pissing off a house too much, uh, they will rattle the village and game over, basically. Um, all in this time, you have to keep your like Cthulhu-based god happy with your little cult, and uh, it's it's interesting because this game is very difficult. Um, choices are very, there's almost never a good outcome. You basically have to pick the lesser evil of the two choices. Mm. Um, it's always tough because you always feel like you're getting screwed over either way. And I, once I kind of understood this game, I enjoyed it more. Uh, when I first played it, it was very overwhelming. And I mean, I have to, I have to say the graphics probably did help with that. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, these visuals, like they get annoying after a while, but then mm -hmm. they get almost soothing. It's, it's a weird, weird explanation. But for me, that's how it was. Um, and I like how the color red for blood is the only other color you see in this game. It's the third color. And that's basically saying, like, oh, the dark god that you're sacrificing these people to loves blood. So, of course, you're going to see that. But um, it has roguelike elements, obviously, because you can lose pretty early in the game. But it's really fascinating. And uh, it's made by Kit Fox Games, which they're other big games that they developed themselves. Boyfriend Dungeon, which... Hey, it's actually a pretty novel game. Uh, you know, like, I know a lot of people wrote it off as a joke, but it's an interesting idea. You know, a weapon that turns into a, a, a dude? Cool. Yeah, it's a weird game. <laughs> um, but, you know, they have some other cool games. They did Moon Hunters, which I remember that was an enjoyable game. Um, little indie action RPG. So, I mean, this game was very different for what they did. Uh, from what they usually make. Like, I think the only other one that I noticed that seemed the same was called Six Ages, but that's like a medieval simulator kind of game. But mm. it's it's a cool game, you know. I mean, it's not that expensive, you know. I know it goes on sale pretty cheap, and if you if people out there you're all interested in a dark. Lovecraftian hard as balls game. <laughs> this game is pretty good. You know, it it's tough decisions, you know, it's it's not a cakewalk. I think out of all the games we picked today, they're all pretty they're usually pretty all mellow. I feel like Cult of Simulator can be kind of difficult too, but this game is just like it's rigged against you. But I enjoy it. I love a challenge like that. I love making 
messed up choices, you know, or fund up choices. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta bring that back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I liked it. You know, it's, it's a cool game. It, it's a different approach. And it, for a while, it felt like one of the first games where you commanded a cult, you know, other than like Cult the Simulator and a few others. But, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, did you have anything to say on it or? Yeah, the, that game was really interesting looking to me. I, it's always been, when I first saw it, I totally forgot about that game until you brought it up uh, recently. And it's one that I've always wanted to check out, like you said, because of the art style. I have not seen a game that has been kind of bold enough to do this in recent times, right? Like this color pattern is very, I guess, like synonymous of older style games. Mm -hmm. Right. Whenever or like original PC games, whenever like they didn't have that many colors to display on the screen. So it's kind of nice that it's like paying homage back to that or at least having that like nostalgic feel to it. But like the fact that it's a cult game and for what you said, it's super hard. Like, I don't know. There's a lot to this title that I'm actually really excited about. And I'm definitely going to be picking it up now. And it's apparently on the Nintendo Switch, which I think is weird. (laughs) Because, you know, like Switch is synonymous for family games. And then you have this pretty brutal cult game in there. But I, I guess, you know, the titles on the Switch are becoming more and more I uh, mean, like normalized, I guess. <laughs> or, look at the eShop. Half the titles are all hentai, you know? It's true. That is true. It is becoming kind of a weird shop nowadays. Every time I go there, it's there's like, like Steam. Just, it's filled with just like garbage games and shovelware and all that stuff now at this point. But I mean, it is smart of the Switch, especially to try and compete with the Steam Deck. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, no, I'm definitely going to be checking out this title because I want to see more of it. This, like, I don't think images do it justice. This feels like a game that you really want to dive into. So I, I would be very excited to kind of check it out and just live in that world for a minute and see if I can figure it out. But yeah, thank you for reminding me about it because it looks cool, man. Yeah. I uh, got another title. Yeah. This one's a little more goofy. You know, any I think anybody could really pick this up, not be grossed out, not maybe feel weird about it. But uh, it's called Honey, I Joined a Cult. Yes. <laughs> um, I know it's pretty much on the nose, you know, just saying it. But it's a another cult management game. It's a little bit different. You can build your compound, right? So for me, when I look at this game, graphics-wise, it reminds me of Prison Architect or RimWorld. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. graphics completely. Like, to a T. Like, I had to look at the developer and be like, was this the same people that made those games? Like, it looks just like it, but it's not. Um, uh, that's actually really surprising, because I thought it was, too. Yeah. I thought, it, I thought it was the Prison Break guys or whatever it was called. It, and it, I know they had some kind of deal with uh, where it was on sale or something with the escapist. I mean, it looks like that's the game. Yeah. those kind of games. But surprisingly, it's not. I know the, the publisher, um, I think, is the same. But Team 17 uh, does so much publishing for indie titles. It's kind of easy to forget what they do. But um, anyway, going back to the game, it's really cool like i felt like this game came out and 
you heard a little bit and then just no one talked about it. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe unless it came out last year and I feel like I'm usually in touch with game releases and I just didn't see anyone talk about this. And I mean, it's got great reviews, you know, it's not like it's a bad game. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's definitely one of those games that came into the scene was like talked about a lot, was streamed a lot. And I think this game fell for the whole, like, it's better to watch this game than it is to play it. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of the, tr- the the downfall of this title. Maybe why we don't hear about it as much. Because it was really fun watching people play it. But I, like, I felt like I got enough from that. I didn't feel like I needed to play it. It's definitely one of those games that, like you said, it's more fun to watch people if they're funny. You know, like, you can... You can really get goofy with this game because, I mean, you have total control. You can create your your savior. You know, you can create your idol, uh, the look of your cult, the name of it. You know, very customizable. You can build your base. And basically, the beginning of the game, you have to make money. So you form, you know, pyramid schemes. You know, you, you do little dumb things to make money. Um, so that's what your cult is at first. And then eventually it you know, develops into real cult shit, you know, mm-hmm. sacrifices, you know, talking to the dark gods. Like, it's interesting because it seems like such a goofy game and then it takes like a little dark turn later on. But uh, the vibe it gives is very 70s mm-hmm. style, which is, I think, the most different from all the other games on our list today is that it looks like your typical, like, Jonestown or, uh, you know, hippie manson kind of like thing going on like it's mm-hmm. it's interesting and this game is really cool like it, it is really fun i mean if any of you out there are like on the fence about it just watch people there's so many funny people on youtube that have done videos on this that i enjoyed watching yeah. um and it's it's getting updates they're still adding stuff to it and you know it's a cool game i, I know they're definitely still working on it and i think that eventually like it'll be cool seeing all the new features for it. But, uh, and yeah, there's Twitch integration too, which is, oh, really that's cool. right. Yeah. So I think that's what was really exciting about this title was the Twitch integration itself and what made it even more fun to watch it because mm-hmm. they can take their, you know, viewers and put it into the game. So you can actually be a cultist in someone's little title there, which is a really like kind of like break the fourth wall <laughs> kind of deal right there of actually putting Twitch stream or Twitch viewers in your cult because they're viewing you and it's kind of like you're the cult leader there. It, it's kind of funny. But it's perfect. It, yeah. It was it it's a really good title for that integration. It made sense. It was really funny to see the way that are uh, certain idols or gods that you know you followed and stuff like that. So it's it is a really funny title. It's it really takes the lightheartedness of cults <laughs> and really makes it interesting. But it I, I think it's really weird. It, it didn't really like occur to me until you said it too, where this game has a very 70s like theme vibe to it. And mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever said that about a game or thought that about a game uh, that had like where a decade is a theme, right? Like yeah. what I don't think I've ever seen a game where I've been like, oh yeah, this is a really like 80s theme game. 
right? Like there's definitely games that are in the 80s, of course, but it never feels like it's part of the core theme itself or like like the decades, right? Or like, a, but this one really does feel like they're embodying that wholly. It's not just like kind of poking fun at the 80s like a lot of media does. It's mm-hmm. actually like putting you into that time frame itself where cults like this were easier to start. It did start with like simple things like pyramid schemes and scams. And then it blew up into something like Jonestown, like you mentioned. So it, it is really clever. Uh, there's like some really like weird, uh, like clever game design there from these guys. So like kudos to them for being able to pull that off without really like beating us over the head with it. So it's pretty cool. I like that. All right, so I think it's time for the heavy-hitting game that's currently out right now that's on the lips of a lot of uh, players out there. And actually, it's pretty funny. Some of the some of the kids I work with uh, are kept asking me over the last couple of weeks, uh, is, Cult of Simula- or is Cult of the Lamb actually good? Should I buy it? I really want to play it. It looks funny. And I'm like, you're eight. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, <laughs> don't play this game. Because on the surface, it looks cute and adorable, but it's pretty damn dark at the same time. And I kind of like that. It reminds me of uh, Happy Tree Friends. Yeah. yeah literally. So that, yeah. Which is pretty, it's pretty gory and insane. But Cult of the Lamb, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> is a new roguelike game out there with a civilization builder uh, aspect built into the game itself. The civ building part is actually building up your cult. You have to feed everyone, clean up their shit, literally, uh, <laughs> make sure they have enough beds, uh, hold sermons at the house, do farming, mining, you know, get gathering lumber, all that good stuff that we know from good civ building games. And then you get to explore the random dungeons, which then you will fight uh, various gods or old ones, and you have to defeat them all to face the, I forgot the name of the last one now. Uh-oh. Oh, well, <laughs> you fight the big bad at the end, basically. But the entire time you're doing this, you are a lamb and your cults or your cultists are adorable little woodland creatures that come and join your cult. Or they're the bosses made to look like cute versions of themselves that then join your cult. Now, whenever you do get someone, you can change their look and their name and all that stuff. Uh, but it's entirely up to you. So you can have a cult of your liking and I don't know about you, but I had a theme to my cults. Uh, the fact that they allowed me to change everyone to cats was perfect. So every single person <laughs> in my cult is a cat. <laughs> I, don't, I unlocked all of the other followers that are available just to do it. But no, everyone is a cat. <laughs> and I have to say, I really love this game. I found the balance between those two different mechanics of the civ building and the dungeon crawling, the roguelike aspect, mm-hmm. really, really enjoyable. I, I thought that they did both those sides very, very well. The combat was very clean, in my opinion. I only ran into a couple hiccups here and there, uh, actually quite a few, but surprisingly, it wasn't enough to turn me off from the game. I did have some parts where I actually had to, I think I had like maybe 10 times where I had to hard restart the game. Ten, wow. Yeah, where it completely froze me. And I was playing on the Switch, so I don't know if that's an mm. issue with the Switch. But it there was quite a few times where it bugged out and I couldn't do anything. Like, it completely locked me. It froze everything. 
or whatever it may be. It got locked in animations quite a few times. Uh, but besides that, like even with those issues, I still had a really fun time playing and exploring this title. Uh, it was just a lot to take in and just a lot of fun. And I don't remember the last time I, well, besides Hades, I guess, the uh, Hades was probably the last like roguelike game that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, this, and this is definitely up there for me with Hades. But what do you think? What, how I know that you played through it as well. So what was your experience like? Well, I liked it enough to platinum it. Um, <laughs> it, I loved it. I, I had some game breaking bugs too. I, it's funny because when you told me that that happened to you, uh, when we were first playing it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's weird. I never, I haven't gotten that. Like I gotten other weird bugs where structures would be normally broken or they like followers wouldn't use them. And then boom, the next day, like, my game just froze and I couldn't do anything. And it was like at the end of a run, like a really good run too. Mm-hmm. And I was pissed. And I'm like, yeah. damn it. Like I cursed my, like I, I, it's a curse. And I think yeah. it happened one more time, not long after that. And then they patched it and it and ended up just working fine. But the game's cool. Like it really does have a good mixture between the two genres. And At first, I was worried when I first got the game. I was worried that one side or the other would suffer. Mm -hmm. Because usually when you mix genres that are very different like that, one is going to suffer. And the management sim is really cool. Like, there's enough to unlock where it's not underwhelming. And there's not, they're not throwing too many different things at you where it's overwhelming. You know, the cooking is kind of, it's mellow. You know, you get a good farm land going. It's easy to never have to worry about food, you know, create a bunch of outhouses. And it, it got really easy towards the end, if you know how to set yourself up. And I did it at first where I made all my characters like, once I unlocked, the the poop head i made everyone poop for a little mm-hmm. bit um and then i switched it and basically like i would make characters off of like people i knew so like mm-hmm. i had a character of you i had a character of a few <laughs> other people you were always a cat yeah um and it was weird i gave you a pendant that extends life and you like lived like ridiculously long like most people like end up dying like in their 50s and you were like 80 or something and it was <laughs> cool because awesome. like you actually like cleaned up crap everywhere and like did all this <laughs> stuff I was, like oh sick um and my other friend who i made a character on twice out of his lives he was a dissenter like i had the jalem oh really <laughs> um i sacrificed him one time because i i didn't want to wait for him to be reconverted. Um, mm. And uh, that's another thing I like about this game is that, you know, the when a character doesn't like your cult and he tries to turn everybody on you, it's cool. You know, like you re-educate him, you know, you throw him in the prison and the things you unlock, like the, the virtues and stuff where you have to pick between two different, or doctrines, I think that's what it is. Yeah. You pick between two different things um and it's like a buff or a debuff whenever you do something and i really like that like if you kind of think ahead you can make a really really fun easy experience um uh, and 
the different rituals you can do. It's cool. Like I, I really loved this game. Like, like I said, I was able to platinum it. Like I enjoyed it that much. And it's not super hard to either. If anybody's into that, like I think the hardest part was the no damage run on each of the four main bosses. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm good. (laughs) Um, I mean, basically it came down to using the same thing. I had, uh, the cape or the fleece that makes it where you, your damage multiplier goes up each time you kill an enemy, mm-hmm. but not get hit. I think at one point I racked it up to plus 30. Goddamn. I swear it was like 30%. So I was just doing chunks and I had a hammer. I had like the god hammer or whatever. So it was like the best one. Slow as hell, but I loved the hammer because I was so used to how slow it was. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was almost like two shotting bosses. That's like it, it, it made it crazy. Like you can really do some crazy builds with this game. Um, as someone who loved Hades, like I've been craving another roguelike that's kind of similar. And I know there's been some that have come out, like Curse of the Dead Gods and some other titles too, um, Dreamscaper or whatever. But this game just did it so well because it wasn't where there was too many things to learn. You know, there were, I think, five different weapons. There was claws, daggers, sword, axe, and hammer. Mm-hmm. And then you had your different spells that you could use. And that was basically it. You know, there's definitely little secrets you can learn to get more resources or discover things. And there's fun little challenges. You know, there's you meet characters in some of these dungeons that unlock new areas on your world map. Mm-hmm. And... I just thought that was a cute touch, you know, when you unlock the other shops and stuff, there's little side quests you can do to unlock more fleece. And it's, it's a really cool game. Like I, I was excited for this game months ago before it came out. I remember we were talking about it and you liked it too. Oh, yeah. I was like, this game looks cool. And then once it was like, once it came out like day one, I was like, do I really want to buy this? Like I'm, I'm a person that likes to buy physical media. And I was like, I saw uh, Special Reserve saying, oh, we have a physical that's going to come out, but it won't come out till next spring. I'm like, I don't want to wait that long. Yeah. So I said, screw it. I'll buy it. And literally the first day I think I played maybe like, I was up late, maybe like 10 hours oh, straight. Um, that's the nice thing about parental leave. You know, I can just spend all day as long as the baby's taken care of. But um. <laughs> It it sucked me in. Like every day I was like, oh, I'm just going to play this. You know, I had the baby next to me chilling, sleeping. And I'm like, oh, I'll just play this until, you know, she needs to eat or she needs to do this. And, you know, a whole day would go by and mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, my God, I need I need to get more people. You know, like it. It was a fun game. I I I want more like it, you know, or something, you know, it. I don't know what I want more of the the sim part of it or the roguelike part of it. Um, that that's what I was kind of thinking towards the end. I'm like, right. what would I want more of? You know, maybe not this game, but something similar. And I'm always a sucker for management sims, but I don't know the way it just blended it, the style, everything is just it's a cool game. I think yeah. for indie titles of this year, it's definitely in my top ten. Um. 
Same. It'll be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of good games that came out this year, but for more of an action-oriented game, this is definitely up there. Yeah, it was a trip, the blend of it. And I, they, I'm so surprised that they were able to find that balance, honestly. But every time you went out on an adventure, there was something that would like pop up on the side. You know, you get little notes from what's going on in your village. So mm-hmm. it, I thought that was a really nice touch because it kept you like grounded a little bit, right? Where you don't get lost in just going on an endless run. You remember, oh, I do have to go back eventually, right? Like I need to go back and tend to this and do these things and whatever it may be, deal with that person that's sick, they don't die or, you know, or, oh, someone just died. I need to go have a burial for them and do that whole ceremony as well. So like it was nice to get those constant little reminders. And then at the same time, while you're doing the management, you'll get like random quests from your followers that make you want to go back out and adventure more. So it was really cool that like neither side really overshadowed the other, but they found ways to make it where both sides were pushing you back to the other one. So there was always that constant balance of like going back and forth. And I think that's why this game is so good, honestly. Because it created that balance there. It created that nice ebb and flow where like, you get your nice peaks and valleys of combat to sim to combat to sim where it just always was, there's always something to do. There was never any downtime in that game. Like There is a speed up mechanic where you can just kind of blast through the days, but it felt like you never really had to do that, which is actually really nice. It was a really, really cool touch and it was really fun. And the weapon system, like, yeah, there's only five different sty- or types of weapons, but the the little like things behind it are super cool too. They, like you have vampiric weapons, you have toxic weapons, you have the heavenly weapons, right? So like there's different levels of five or those five basic weapons themselves. So like you have vampiric claws and toxic claws and stuff like that, right? So that was a really, really cool touch. And each weapon has different levels as well. So the more you level up your doctrine or was it doctrines? No, it the uh, the actual like from sermons and stuff like that then you uh, get higher level weapons within the game or whenever you go back out and adventure. So there's a lot of really cool stuff there. I really enjoyed the balance. The artwork is great. The little sound effects of everybody was just adorable. Uh, So it was just so (laughs) weird to see like such adorable little critters doing some crazy demonic stuff. And it was always like, I felt like every single time it surprised me. Right, like you're doing some really great stuff. You're farming. You get to dance with your people as well. Like, so you can dance to boost their followership. I think that might have been um, a one of the doctrines that you can level up as well. So, like, I was dancing with everybody, and then it would go, and I do a ritual, and then all of a sudden, it's like blood coming from my eyes, and like all this crazy Cthulhu shit going on on the screen. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm playing a cult game. <laughs> like we're not just out here farming and tending the fields and enjoying life and all that stuff. Like, so that was really, really funny. And then the aging system. I, at first, I thought that was going to be kind of an annoyance, but it actually was really like nice, I, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It was a cool little thing to do uh, where you can actually bury the all the dead bodies uh, and then actually you can hold a ritual to do a, a actual ceremony for their death, which I thought was really nice. So every single person that died, as soon as they died, I like returned back to the village and I'm like, we need to take care of this now. Like we need to have a ceremony for them. We need to remember like it. 
it was kind of weird. Like you get like weirdly attached to these little guys, which is really, really fun and adorable. But it's, I don't know, there, it's despite all the game breaking bugs that I ran into, like I said, this game was just fantastic to play through. And it's just a lot, a lot of fun. And yeah, you have raised a really good question. Like if, what more would I want from this game? Do I want more of the Civ part or do I want more of the actual combat? And that's a hard question to answer. Uh, I really did enjoy the management system a lot. So it would be fun to do that. But I feel like if I had more management, I might get bored of it and would want more of the combat. So I think they really did find that almost perfect balance between the two to make you just stay hooked in the entire time. So it's just very, very clever. Very well done. Kudos to you guys. Hats off. Clap claps all around. <laughs> And definitely on the top 10 list for games or games this year. Like it's it's going to be a hard one to beat, in my opinion, despite how many really good games are out there. Like I have not seen a game with this kind of balance in a long time. But yeah. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening in. Hope you guys enjoyed our discussion into uh, cult games. And hopefully you guys found a new game to play. Uh, who knows and if you did let us know in our socials and just so you guys know as well chris has been working very diligently on our discord channel so we have a discord channel for the qverse itself so why don't you guys hop on in there uh you can find the links in our social medias as well to all those things hop in chat with us and there's also a section for murder of gray in there too so if you guys are curious about that show and want to send us some questions there when why not do that too all right but anyway like i said that's going to be it for us this week. And we will talk to you all next week with the next set of games. But until then, bye for now.